A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, a special Friday edition, I might add. Uh, we're not going to do a uh, uh, the hero of the day today. We're not going to have an armed citizen story for you. Instead, we've got just a beefy conversation uh, with the head of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, as well as the uh, lead counsel in one of the four federal lawsuits uh, filed against Illinois' ban on so-called assault weapons and large-capacity magazines. Uh, Chuck Michelle. Uh, able to carve out a, a few minutes out of a very, very busy schedule to uh, give us updates on a number of cases, uh, as well as uh, his overall thoughts about uh, where we stand in this uh, post-Bruin landscape. Uh, very pleased that uh, Chuck could be with us on the program. Take a look and a listen. Chuck Michel, thank you, sir, for uh, joining me in all of my casual Friday glory. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I don't normally do a show on Fridays, but there's so much going on with with what you're dealing with um that i thought we could have a special edition talking about some of the california cases as well as the uh, illinois litigation so thank you for joining me always a pleasure cam all right so let's get started um i'm trying to figure out how to like divvy up this conversation do you want to start with all of the cases that are before judge roger benitez because yes. it sounds like he's got a handful of them he, he does he has four separate cases four separate second amendment cases all of which had sort of tortured paths up into the Court of Appeals. Duncan went to the Supreme Court, then came back down. And then they were all sort of remanded back to Judge Benitez at the same time. So all four of those cases have been consolidated, essentially, in his courtroom. Uh, and uh, all the briefs were on the same schedule. Uh, the state uh, had to file a sort of an omnibus opposition to all of them, uh, 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 citing various historical what they like to think are historical analogs, which would settle, sat, satisfy the Bruin test. Uh, but that's all fully briefed now. And so we're just waiting for Judge Benitez to rule. And he may rule in all four cases. The four cases are a, a challenge to the assault weapon law, so-called, a challenge to the ammunition background check and interstate sales ban, a challenge to the magazine capacity limitation ban, that's the Duncan case, and then a fourth case challenging California's ban on on billies, uh, which no one is quite sure what a billy is. Is that a baseball bat when you're driving to a softball game? Is that a cane? Is that a long flashlight? Is that a tire thumper? You know, what's a billy? So actually, I think that's a case that that hasn't been getting a lot of attention, but it should have merit. Anyway, he'll be he'll be deciding all four of those cases in some at some time. You can never tell exactly how fast something like that's going to happen. And we can't tell if he's going to do all four decisions at one time or he will stagger them. Uh, maybe if he wants to judge, drive uh, Gavin Newsom nuts, he'll do four separate uh, <laughs> opinions and get four separate news cycles where Newsom can come out and call him an ideologue. But I suspect that all four of those cases are going to have positive results for for the Second Amendment and for gun owners. Well, I mean, as you say, you know, the, the, some of these cases have been before Judge Benitez before, right? So uh, it, it doesn't seem like the, uh, the the California's case has gotten any better uh, since the oh, Bruin yeah. decision. Um, and, and you know, I don't think there's any reason to believe that uh, Judge Benitez won't be acting with, with due diligence. Although I have to say, I, I, I am concerned, Chuck, that once this goes up to the Ninth Circuit on appeal, that we might see the court try to play keep away from SCOTUS with some of these cases. Well, 
I, the only way to keep it away from SCOTUS is to strike down the, or, the, the laws. Uh, and if they strike down the laws, I don't know if the DOJ, if the state would, would, would ask the Supreme Court to review them. It'll depend on how they're written. And, and, and uh, I can tell you this, that the state has been hacking the record with every tangentially related document or historical regulation or policy or, or ex all kinds of expert reports that people aren't really experts or they're biased. Uh, they're just obviously uh, trying to pack the record with as much material as they can dig up because they know it. They're, they're just, they're not even arguing, I don't think, to Judge Benitez anymore. I think they're arguing for the Ninth Circuit even while they're still in Judge Benitez's court. That, that again, given what Judge Benitez has had to say in the past, that uh, that's I'm sure you're right. Um, and and I think the last time you were uh, you and I were talking, we talked about the the weight of the evidence or the lack thereof uh, from the state of California, whereas it, they are just kind of throwing out every conceivable ordinance that they can find. Uh, and in some cases, not even ordinances. Right. I, I saw I don't think it was I don't know if it was a California case, but uh, it might have been the Illinois case where the state. So offering up like a letter that George Washington purportedly, maybe this was California. Wait, uh, that was the Bolin case. Okay, well, the, yeah, the, yeah, the the, the the roster case, right? So offering yeah. up a letter from George Washington to his brother talking about, uh, well, making make sure that the, the barrels are approved, right? Because I think these might be trash guns because of who we're buying it from. Um, right, The government was getting ready to buy some rifles and George Washington wanted to make sure the barrels were going to do the job. As of a letter that's saying, that justifies <laughs> us banning all these handguns and calling them unsafe. I mean, I've never I've never heard of private correspondence being used to justify the existence of a law uh, before. But I guess, again, well, again, hey, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? I've got a letter from George Washington to Benjamin Franklin talking about uh, uh, rapid reloading muskets and the development of those. You know, I mean, if they want to get into. Uh, whether semi-automatic or, 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 you know, more rapidly reloading firearms are a unique so social development, which is the argument they try and make. First, they try and, and uh, uh, argue that there are all these historical analogs that justify the current day, modern day law. Then they say, well, if there aren't, the Supreme Court said that you, there, there are some cases where there's uh, unusual societal developments or te technological advances that may call for a more nuanced approach. And this is where they're trying to backdoor in the interest balancing test mm -hmm. and say, oh, this is all these semi-automatics are new. Uh, the technology is new. So this calls for a new approach. We don't need to have historical analogs. Uh, and now we go back to social policy arguments saying that these guns are more dangerous and that they're used to, in crimes and all the same arguments that they made, which were, by the way, rejected by Judge Benitez. Okay, in the well, first round, and, and, and rightfully so, because I mean, didn't the Supreme Court also say, um, both in Heller uh, and McDonald, I believe, and certainly in Catano, that the Second Amendment prima facie protects bearable arms that are in common use, right? That that right. presumably those are that's protected under the Second Amendment. Common uh, use should be the end of the argument. If they're in common use, that's it. You stop. And we're not talking, and they said again, specifically, we're not talking about arms that were in existence at the time of the founding. We're not talking about muskets. and Katana, it was stun guns. 
Right. Uh, and while well, you've got letters from George Washington and Ben Franklin talking about, you know, multi-shot firearms, maybe Ben Franklin, the father of electricity, was, you know, imagining a day when we had stun guns. But as far as I know, he wasn't writing about it. So when we talk about, you know, weapons, the founding fathers could never have envisioned tasers might be among them. Right. But but the Supreme Court has said they're protected under the Second they're Amendment. They're in common use. Exactly. Yes. Yes. OK. And, and people lose track of the fact that it's not just Arms are not just firearms. They're any kind of arm. Knives are a big, big part of the Second Amendment. And uh, so, yeah, it, the state is, you know, they're, they're, they're somewhat desperate. They're hoping that they'll get the, the right Ninth Circuit panel. This is not just Ninth Circuit, though. This is across the country. It's the same gambit. This is not, California DOJ is not cooking this up. Neither is the Illinois Attorney General's office. Bloomberg's lawyers, his legal team, are writing up templates and distributing them yeah. to legislators and to and to states' attorneys across the country. They're doing most of the work for these guys and packaging these things and coming up with these creative arguments. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and, and because again, we're seeing these same arguments raised in the court challenges. I mean, while the legislative side, yeah, they've got their own agenda. Uh, you know, really pushing these bans on so-called assault weapons because they know that that's Got to be an issue that's coming up before the Supreme Court, right? Sooner rather than later. And they want to be able to argue, well, well, look how popular these bans are. We've had, you know, uh, six or seven states adopt these uh, bans just in the past couple of years, even though, again, from the Supreme Court's perspective, that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, but they're trying to build that that court of public opinion case as well, right? That the Supreme Court is uh, rejecting mainstream American thought. Um, when it comes to the litigation, when it comes to these courtroom arguments, Chuck, you know, listen, the Ninth Circuit has never found a gun control law to be unconstitutional, even after the Heller decision. Right. I mean, they're 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 50 for 50, uh, 50 plus in upholding California laws. Yeah. How confident are you that one of these cases before Judge Benitez or the Boland case, which is uh, Judge Benitez is not hearing Boland, right? No, he is not. OK, so. <laughs> Has Bruin changed the legal landscape enough that that the Ninth Circuit, you think, is going to have to accept that one or more of these laws actually does infringe on our right to keep and bear arms? Well, uh, at least half the Ninth Circuit will acknowledge that all the Trump appointees and the conservative justices who have acknowledged it uh, historically. Remember, we won Duncan in front of the three judge panel. That's right. Peruta. Yeah. Peruta, the, the, the must issue. And then they had to take it up on bonk to an 11-judge panel before they could finally overturn it. And so that used to be two-thirds Democratic appointee judges, one-third Republican. Now it's about 50-50. Biden is replacing a lot of judges, but he's replacing Democrats with Democrats. So you're, you're at, I mean, this we've is got a, We've got a better shot than we've had in the past, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. yes. Well, good. And, and the Ninth Circuit is still the most frequently overturned circuit wow. by the Supreme Court. And so I don't think we're going to have to wait another 12 years for the Supreme Court to take a case. The question is, what are they going to take first? I mean, yeah. there's a, there's semi-autos, there's standard capacity magazines, there's mandatory insurance requirements, there's sensitive places, there's a subjective criteria to qualify for a, a license to carry a firearm in public. Uh, there's taxes. You know, uh, there's fees. There, there's so many different things. 
that the, the gun owner hostile legislators are pulling out of the air uh, to try and pass more and more laws. I mean, it, they're, they're really, they're trying to pass so many laws that we can't sue them fast enough. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that, I, I think it's absolutely a strategy. Um, you know, they've, they've got some, not only do they have deep pockets, but again, when we're challenging these laws, it's this, it's the taxpayers ultimately who are defending them. Right. Yeah, the taxpayers uh, and, dollars pay the state attorneys. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, it's not coming out of their wallets, uh, to, to pay these attorneys fees. Um, and I do want to talk about uh, gun bans because I want to talk about what's going on in Illinois, where you're the elite counsel in the FFLIL, uh, Illinois Gun Rights Alliance lawsuit. But before we leave California, let's talk about those fees for a second, um, because I know that uh, Costas Moros from Michelle and Associates uh, had talked about what's going on in Laverne, California, uh, small city, about 30,000 people in L.A. County, that it'll cost you over a thousand dollars in order for you to apply and apply for and receive your concealed carry license. It's only good for two years, by the way. Uh, and then it's got to cost you what more than $600 every, every two years to renew this. The Supreme court in Bruin said shall issue systems are presumptively constitutional, but that doesn't mean they're always going to be constitutional. If these shall issue ends are put to abusive or shall issue means are put to abusive ends. And one of the things they talked about was exorbitant fees. Chuck, if it's going to cost you four figures to exercise a fundamental right, in what world is that not a violation of my right to keep and bear arms? I, I, you're absolutely right. And that's what we said in the pre-litigation demand letter that we sent to Laverne as soon as we got word of their fee schedule. And this is part of CRPA's uh, CCW reckoning project, where after Bruin came down, we immediately sent letters to just about every jurisdiction in the state, there are a lot up north and in, and in Orange County, for example, that were effectively shall issue already. So they didn't really need to be you know, warned mm -hmm. or educated, but a lot of the jurisdictions did. And so we sent them letters saying, here's what Bruin said, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. And some jurisdictions still held out, like uh, Alameda, Contra Costa, San Francisco. And so we just, in Alameda, we sent them a copy of the draft lawsuit that we had already prepared to file and said, change your policy, we're going to file this. And they changed. And so did uh, Contra Costa and San Francisco issued its first CCW in a couple of decades. We're doing the same thing with Laverne. It, they'll either see the light or they'll feel the heat. I mean, uh, we're not going to let these jurisdictions play games, and that's what they're trying to do make it harder and harder to get the permit because you have to have a, you know, a, a, a recommendation letter, glowing recommendation from your ex-wife who you just went through an acrimonious divorce with. You got to have a, a letter from her saying, oh, he's a good guy. You can trust him with a gun. Yeah, you, you'll get that, you know, in, in, in those divorce proceedings. Uh, but that's the kind of bar that they're trying to set. So it's impossible to get one. And then they want to make everything a sensitive place. So you, wherever you, if you have one, it's, you can't drive across town without breaking the law. So those are all more courtroom fights that we're going to have. Last year, we beat the sensitive places law by one vote at two o'clock in the morning in Sacramento, thanks to CRPA's Rick Travis and gun owner of California, Sam Paredes. Uh, but they're back again this year with SB2, same kind of thing. So, you know, we're just going to have to keep 
the heat on them, but people, they're not going to get away with setting some kind of subjective qualification standards or uh, over-designating sensitive places. I mean, we have, a play, we have a lawsuit against Glendale right now because they've designated too many places as sensitive or charging exorbitant fees. So it's just a matter of which one of these jurisdictions is going to hold out until we sue them because we're ready to sue them. And, and obviously, by the way, if you run across one of these ordinances where you live, talk to the CRPA, or if you don't live in California, talk to your state association, because it's not like the news is covering this stuff, right? So, I mean, the, the, the information gets out there when individual gun owners discover, oh, this is how they're trying to screw us over. Uh, and if you just sit there and take it <laughs> and you don't tell anybody about it, then there's no opportunity to actually do something about it. So right. I, I imagine that a lot of this initiative is member driven. Uh, the, 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 right. They make us aware of it. We, we you know, CRP has chapters, uh, like 50 chapters now throughout the state of California and they're watching locally and they pass the word back to us. And, and then CRPA sends it to the, if we have a friendly sheriff, we may reach someone from CRPA may re reach out directly. Remember these guys are, I, I got to give them a little bit of a, of a break. Some of them they're struggling because they've never had to process so many applications before and they didn't have the infrastructure. Yeah. The letter that you shared from the Contra Costa County Sheriff, I thought was interesting where, and I don't know all the behind the scenes, you know, machinations, but he talked about, look, we're hiring more staff. We went from like 20 applications a year to, to 200 right after Bruin. So we were a little caught unawares, but we're trying to adjust. And I think he even talked about how the state's response uh, to the Bruin decision he's not in favor of, um, which I thought was, was good. I mean, so it sounds like there's some, maybe, maybe in addition to, you know, getting these sheriffs to fall in line, uh, Chuck, I mean, maybe this is actually opening a door to, uh, to, to some sheriffs feeling a little bit freer, even in California to speak out oh, uh, about some absolutely. of the problems here. Absolutely. There were, look, there were kind of different, different levels of sheriffs. Some were, just about shall issue, even though you couldn't be totally shall issue with the good cause requirement. Others were, you know, 80%. Some, then at the bottom, you had San Francisco, we issue zero. And, but, but a lot of sheriffs were persuaded. The Peruta decision was very well written. That's the one that challenges the good cause requirement. Mm -hmm. Even though we lost. Uh, it was on 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 Bonk. It, the three judge panel decision was very well written, and a lot of these sheriffs read that and they said, "You know, I don't have to go shall issue, but I should." After reading this, and so a lot of them flipped. Orange County is the best example, probably. I think they had uh, you know a couple hundred permits, and now they have like twenty thousand. Wow. Uh, so so there there are some now who just like Perutus flipped a bunch. Some more have flipped because of Bruin, and they see that this is the way it's got to be, and they're and they really don't want to play the political games that the legislators are playing, especially in California, but elsewhere as well. Yeah, try and frustrate the right because that's what this is. This is sore losers trying to frustrate the right where they know it really ought to be, but they're hoping they can drag their feet so it doesn't get there any faster. And you know, I'm sure a lot of them are hoping that. There will be a change at the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 part of their strategy too. I I um yep. 
I absolutely agree with that. Uh, all right, listen, um, and I don't want this to take 12 hours for me to upload on my uh, farm-based internet here uh, once we conclude our interview. So I'm going to I'm gonna turn to Illinois now, uh, and let's talk about what's going on there, because um, we've seen, you know, we've got like four or five state-level lawsuits. Um, you've got a number of restraining orders and you know, some injunctions that have been granted, but only against the named plaintiffs. So there are several thousand Illinois residents for whom this ban does not apply, but everybody else... Yes, the MAG ban is still in effect. The uh, Solvents ban, turn, uh, register them uh, by, you know, uh, I think January 1st of next year or uh, or, or face criminal charges. Um, you immediately can't sell or buy these any, or transport or transport them anywhere. So it's the same kind of thing as California. In fact, a lot of the Illinois laws that have been passed and are pending were modeled on California's laws. Uh, it's the same arguments and they're playing the same games. You know, pulling out this historic history that's really not relevant and doesn't apply and ignoring, you know, trying to claim that magazines aren't arms. Uh, there's a lot of desperate arguments. Those are the same arguments in California and Illinois. The, the background on this, though, is there's four cases in the Southern District of Illinois, uh, which is uh, the courthouses in Benton, population 5,000, uh, uh, 4,999 of whom own guns. So, uh, you know, it's it's a and we've got a good judge. The judge just recently consolidated all the cases so that we're all on the same briefing schedule. And the state filed their brief today, this morning. I haven't even had a chance to look at it yet, but it's the same kind of arguments. Our yeah. reply brief to that is due in three weeks. And so we're you know, we'll be meeting over the weekend to talk about pulling together our reply briefs. Okay. Uh, the only thing that's different is they're changing experts. Interestingly enough. Oh, really? So, who's who? Who who's the expert in in California versus Illinois? Well, they're not using the Saul Cornell. Oh. And they're not using uh, Colonel, and maybe it's not Colonel. Maybe it's Lieutenant Colonel because apparently he was demoted before he was forced to retire. Uh, they're not using Tucker uh, uh, because uh, we're moving to disqualify him in California. So, but but that's that's the game that they have to play. We'll look at each of their experts. We'll supply our own experts on on history and tradition if necessary. I mean, again, it should just guns are in common use. Once you establish they're in common use, and multiple decisions have already made that drawn that conclusion, including uh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh in the Heller two case. Yeah, recognize that these guns are commonly possessed, and you can't ban them. Yeah, and there's that, even more magazines than there are semi-autos. So. Well, absolutely. And again, what is a large capacity magazine? It depends on who you ask, right? Uh, there is no one definition. It's 30 rounds in uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio. It's 10 rounds in California, 20 rounds in Colorado. Um, you know, it's, a, it's again, it's an arbitrary designation. And one that the, the, Y'all go ahead. The, the interesting thing in Illinois is that uh, one of the sheriff's associations, just moved to not oppose our injunction requests. Yeah. And apparently one of the state's attorneys, which is essentially a county prosecutor, uh, has also is also going to file a brief uh, basically on our side. So the state is kind of standing uh, alone. You know, I think I forget how many sheriffs in Illinois after the law passed said they weren't going to enforce it, but it was a lot. 
Uh, yeah, something like eighty uh, percent of the uh, of the counties, I believe, had a sheriff that issued a statement that said something to the effect of, uh, and I think it was actually drafted by the state sheriffs association, um, that you know we oppose the passage of this legislation and we're not going to be making any arrests solely based on uh, violations of this uh, this act. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one thing I want to mention about the, that that lawsuit because again, April twelfth is when oral arguments are uh, scheduled. Um, and, you know, you talk again about these sort of stalling tactics on the part of the state of California. We saw this in Illinois, right? They wanted this extended briefing schedule. We, we need months, Your Honor, to, to comb through the history books and to find evidence that we know it's there. We just need more time to find it. And Judge McGlynn kind of shut him down, right? Uh, and just as Judge Benitez has done in California, basically saying, you guys don't need forever and ever uh, to go hunt down these statutes. We, we need to get this decided as expeditiously as possible. Right. Now, they may I have again, they may argue in their brief that they filed today that, you know, this is all we could find on such short notice. That's part of the part of the game. But, uh, you know, why didn't they do why didn't they look that up before they passed the law? They, they knew it was going to be challenged. If you're going to pass a law, shouldn't you look into whether or not it's defensible? Well, no, unfortunately, is the answer from anti-gun owner politicians. But so, no, he's not going to he's not going to give them any uh, extra time on this. Their brief was due today. Ours is due three weeks from now, oral argument, April 12th. And and then it's, you know, it'll be in the same position that Judge Benitez is. The only thing I'm a little concerned about is there are some other cases that were filed, you know, that weren't kind of filed by the big players mm-hmm. uh, that uh, one of them is ahead of us in the Seventh Circuit. I think he's going to uh, tell the court to wait until we catch up. Because no matter what happens with the MPI, no matter the motion for preliminary injunction, no matter who wins, the loser's going to appeal. We will absolutely appeal if we don't win. Because you're right, I think this is a case that the Supreme Court's going to, this issue, whether it's California or Illinois or wherever, is something the Supreme Court's going to need to address. But there are so many other restrictions that are also uh, worthy of the Supreme Court paying attention to. I just don't know what they're going to take first. But all everything's going to uh, make its way back up there. Yeah. And again, uh, everything is on the table. Um, uh, you know, even still our right to carry Chuck, Michelle, listen, I appreciate you carving out uh, a, a good chunk of billable hours uh, or a billable hour to uh, talk with us this afternoon. And uh, I really hope that we can do this again. I would love to like get you on the schedule so we can have you back on a regular basis. Cause you are doing, I don't know when you sleep, but uh, you and your team are doing fantastic work. So please keep it up. Hey, just folks, remember, uh, whatever you can do to support this, we are not funded by Michael Bloomberg. The Second Amendment Law Center uh, has a, a donation page. You can earmark the state you want it to go to, and uh, we'll put it to good use. We don't, we are not, char- we're, we're giving generous discount rates to all the nonprofit clients that are that are working to raise the money and push these cases through. So support that you'll be a part of history because this really is that's one thing to keep in mind it really is a historic time for second amendment yeah Uh, we're at a crossroads and it's time to take back a lot of the freedoms that we've lost over the last couple decades and uh and set things right absolutely chuck michelle thank you again sir for all that you do and uh look forward to doing this again very soon Thank you again to uh, Chuck Michelle, and uh, we, I think, are going to start having Chuck back on a, a regular basis. Maybe we'll start doing this every other Friday, just sort of, sort of do a, a legal update. Because I don't know about you, 
it's hard for me to keep track of this stuff. And uh, you know, I'm sitting in front of my computer trying to do this uh, each and every day. So it'd be great to have Chuck with us. Uh, anyway, I do appreciate you being a part of the uh, program today as well. Hope that you enjoy this a special Friday edition. Hope that you have a great, great weekend. Be sure to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the weekend. We're going to be updating the website with uh, all of the news that you need to know about. And we are getting ready for a very busy week ahead. We've got uh, Permitless Carry on deck in the state of Florida. Legislature officially kicks off the 2023 session on Tuesday, and uh, Permitless Carry looks to be one of the first bills to be acted on by lawmakers. So we're keeping our eyes on that and more. We've got you covered again at BarryAndArms.com. If you like what you see, I always encourage you to become a VIP member. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As I was saying, thanks for showing your support for the independent pro second amendment journalism that we're doing at Bearing Arms. We're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else. Because your support really does matter, and it does make a difference. So thank you again. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>